I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone. something you want to uh, redacted that's that's fine yeah. just just let me know and i'll mark down the yeah. time and, and cut it out later so no problem i know some every once in a while something slips but we've never had anybody actually ask to have something taken out so right yeah they're just like i leave it yeah that's fine. <laughs> i think the only person i've ever censored is myself <laughs> <laughs> right i've said a few things and i'm like uh, i probably should cut that out that was a little too much yeah, yeah. I, mean, I hear you. I've, I've had a few things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like I give an honest response, and I think that's why people respond Perfect. to me. And so, you know, fuck it. Just leave it in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Perfect. Yeah, as long as you don't say anything too bad. Uh... I'll try not to swear too much. No, it, swearing is encouraged. I always encourage <laughs> foul language and, and uh, any, any type of, like, coarse... Uh, conversation or anything indecent is fine it's more you know we, we try not to be too too offensive as far as uh like we don't uh, we don't get racist here or or homophobic or anything like that but no no problem <laughs> although the the occasional joke might pop up and then that's when i have to censor myself so <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to Who Will Survive Horror Podcast. This is your host, Paul, and with me, as always, is Marco. What's going on? It's going, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so we are back to record another bonus episode, as we yes. have come to call these. Love them. Uh, yes, which uh, the, the bonus episodes are when we find some movies or, or maybe just one movie and uh, end up reaching out to somebody who was involved with the movie and mm-hmm. try to get them to come on and talk a little bit more about that. So we uh, have somebody who is from, well, one movie we already talked about and another one that we discovered because of him being in it yeah. that yeah. I am quite a big fan of now. <laughs> we we have to review it, though. I mean, yes, we're going to yeah. have to have a show. <laughs> it's not a horror movie, but it's one of the funniest, best movies I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Well, before we talk about his movie too much, sure. we'll bring him on here. Yeah. And with us is Mark Burnham. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. welcome. So originally we discovered you from being in the movie Low Life, and yes. we had, had uh, we had Ryan Prowse, the director, on. And right. in in that movie, you played sort of the um, the the seminal villain of the the movie, kind of the centerpiece that mm-hmm. that held all these stories together. Yeah, and I played uh, Petty Hayne. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and we talked a lot with Ryan about your performance, how we really had had loved that, and uh, <clears throat> how you really sort of killed the role. And you and I had interacted a little bit after the interview because you heard that. And one of the movies that that Ryan recommended to us was a movie he knew you from called Wrong, Wrong Cops. Yes. Where I guess sort of you're this, the, the main character in that movie, really. I mean, there's kind of a few storylines, but I feel like you are definitely yeah. at least one of the mains. Yeah, it's an ensemble piece, but, but the, the narrative, if you can call it that, is, <laughs> you know, I am the through line, yeah. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh you know, Ryan recommended that one. I was like, "Oh, cool. You know, I got to check that out." And we get a ton of recommendations doing this, so it's hard sometimes. <laughs> and uh since you were going to be on, I was like, "Oh shit, I got to I got to finally see this movie." So, yeah. I ended up catching up with it and then I saw it before Marco and I was yeah. might have been hyping it a little bit before he saw it, so I'm glad it sounds like he liked it too. You didn't you didn't hype it enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So that's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. I'm glad you guys like it. I'm, you know, I'm really proud of it. It's a weird thing, but I'm super proud of it. Definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get a little bit more into that movie. Uh, but is, so you know, obviously we know you as being an actor. Um, have you always kind of tried to get into that, or did you do some other stuff and kind of find your way into acting? Uh, you know, a little bit later on after doing some other odd jobs and stuff. <laughs> well. I mean, I've been an actor for 30 years, you know. I, okay. I moved to L.A. in the late 80s to go to school, and uh, I did that, and I got out of school. And then since since then, I've been, you know, it's my primary career focus, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, right, sure, you know, sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'm proud of where I am, but it's been a long journey, and, you know, sure. I'm just, uh, I keep making my little... Uh, moves forward and upward and and you know here i am right right have you um have you dabbled in any other fields as far as like um acting besides acting like directing or producing or writing or or any of that type of stuff i i produced uh a bit um i'm i like producing i I would i I, i'm good at it like you know i uh i mean I don't know how deep you want to get into this now, but I mean, I I never have been an actor that just shows up and stays in the trailer and and mm-hmm. all that stuff. From the first job that I had, I I always hung around on the on the shooting set, yeah. just in the background, like, and I would watch what people were doing, and you know, a few jobs into it, I could figure out the interaction between the different departments and so forth. Sure, and so. There was an opportunity later on between Ron Cops and Low Life. Um, Jennifer Blunt Bean, who's in uh, Ron Cops, I met her on the set the days that we worked, and she, uh, you know, she was like, "Oh, you should work with us. We we do a lot of stuff." And and you know, I mean, quite fr- I mean, she's a dear friend, but quite mm-hmm. frankly, at the time, you know, I, I've heard that a hundred times. And <laughs> sure, it, sure. So I was just like, "Yeah, sure. Let me know what happens." And 
we'll do it. But that eventually blossomed into an opportunity to go to Houston with them and shoot a movie called uh, Hidden in the Woods, okay. which you guys might want to check out. It's called it's uh, sure. Hidden in the Woods. It's um, it's an English language remake of a Chilean film, which I can't say in Spanish, but the translation is the same. It's Hidden in the Woods. And it's by a director named uh, Patricio Valadares. And right. it's a crazy story about this drug dealer and his uh, ancillary crew and blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. um, definitely check that out. It stars Michael Bean and William Forsyth and Jennifer's in it and I'm in it and my friend, my schoolmate, uh, Chris Browning is in it. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's a... It's a I'm proud of that movie as well. Sure. However, nice, like, nice. In the shooting of it, uh, we got to Houston and there were some bumps in the road, you might say. And Jennifer asked me to step in. And I was originally only supposed to be there for three days, but I ended up staying for the entire 16-day shoot. Right. And kind of, I mean, there, there was a problem with, uh, with, with, some, of the, with some of the crew. And so... Okay. I had to. Uh, I'll, I'll just say it. I had to. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to uh, ad the first day, the first uh -huh. day of shooting, which was the bloodiest day, the day in front of William and and uh, Michael Bean. It was the bloodiest day, and we didn't have a shot off before lunch. Okay. And so Jennifer asked me to step in, and I, you know, I ad the first day. I called the day. I called the first. Uh, the first day and we made the day and then nice. that transferred into uh the next day which was my first shooting day i had the ad again mm -hmm. and then i trained another ad and i went on to basically oh, i mean it was it was definitely a collaborative collaborative effort between several of us producers but and there's like 20 producers on that film but uh of the people who were there in the shooting of it you know i, I it was like a line producer for the rest of the rest of the shoot, and uh, we made the we made the schedule. Nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely nice. gonna check that out. I added it to my yeah. watch list right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the ever growing watch list. But that's that is um, really cool that you were actually there for them to lean on, and that you're actually like not just learning one aspect of the trade. Of course, you know you're learning the the entire or or I, I what you what called, you're. I had, I had never called a role. Oh, okay. Cool. Or she asked me to step in. Wow. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, the story is a great story. I'm really super proud of it. Yeah. Sure. Because in the, I'll just, I'll just relate the story, and you guys can decide if if you want to keep it or not. But um, sure, sure. So as Jennifer is saying, hey, can you help me because we don't have a shot off, and it's lunch, and it's the bloodiest day, and. William's here and he's starting to freak out and he wasn't mm -hmm. freaking out, but he was like, you know, obviously yeah. it's a professional situation and you don't want to, um, have that impression on the first day of shooting. Yes. Right. So, um, I forgot where I was heading with this, but anyway, um, Oh, uh, I it was yes. something at the same time as that happened. Saying, I'm sorry. As she's saying that in the background, I hear you can't fire me. I quit. Blah, 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 blah. you can't quit you're fired get off my set blah 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 blah, blah. 
And so somebody had went to one of the executive producers and told them to fuck off uh, and uh. was being summarily asked to leave. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Right. Screaming match going on. And Jennifer's like, you know, what can we do? Help, help, help. And so, yeah, I had never called a roll until about 15 minutes after that event. Nice. <laughs> and then I called the roll and we started getting some shots and then we got the rest of the day and, you know, I kind of realized, like, I'm pretty good at this because I've been yeah, working yeah. for 30 years and I know what people do. And I went to the person who was a problem and I said, look, if you want this position that you have, you know, agreed to do and won by decision of the powers that be, you're going to do what I do and say what I say when I say mm -hmm. it <laughs> and we'll be yeah. able to go on and, and work together. And yeah. so... I guess that person watched for the rest of the day. And then the second day, which was my first day of filming as an actor, the same thing was starting to occur. You know, there wasn't a place for me to change at, at my call time. There wasn't anything to, you know, the things weren't being set up that needed to be set up. Right. Yeah. right. And that person chose to commandeer a PA uh, for a surreptitious trip back to the hotel for something forgotten. And then he never showed his face around the yeah, yeah. It, it, it gets you in that, uh, that position of like fuck this i'm just gonna do it myself you know like let's just do it to get it done i know you know like you said you've been you've been watching for 30 years and yeah. let's do it and then you get comfortable then you get you find out you like it yeah yeah I, I felt like i was pretty good at it i felt like yeah. for the rest of the shoot for us to get the film that we got which you will see when you watch it if you know mm -hmm. I absolutely mean, yeah it, I, i'm super proud of it and i think you know that's cool. a that's a skill that I have, and that's a uh, an area that I want to, you know, challenge myself in. Yeah. Is you know, I I'm not really like I I don't really have an interest in directing. Sure, right. I feel like because of because acting is so closely tied to directing that I and I don't mean to take anything away from any directors at oh, all. Oh, sure. It's like no, no. I could I could do that, but I don't have the technical expertise right. or the. the you know, other aspects of, of leadership that maybe are required. But I can certainly, you know, I know a lot of people around the country, a lot of good actors. I know uh, how to run a film set and I know how to, to make a day. And I think mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I could see doing in the future is acting and producing and, um, you know, beginning to, to make make some projects and, and yeah. some very yeah, cool. yeah. We actually cool. we talked to another guy who was a, an actor and also had a big hand in producing, similar to what you're saying. And I think the the story kind of seems similar from him, where it's so not so much that you you know all the technical stuff about like cameras and angles and and all that kind of stuff and and doing that type of shit, but you know how to set up the sets and how to help with the blocking and help with the lighting and all that kind of stuff because yeah, I feel you've like, just I been feel around like it so much. Totally. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like it can lead the rest of the the people to be able to allow the technical expertise and the the right. artistic eyes to be able to do their job. I feel like I'm 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 good at setting up that scenario where those things can you know the whatever the magic can happen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That, yeah. So and if they don't, you just turn into you know your characters, and then that'll that'll scare them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what yeah. I was gonna say. You just just break out a little teddy bear on them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not the best AD. I like you know I don't like it, but I end up right. 
raising my voice at times. And very uh, cool. I, I just want to be on the outskirts watching that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be in front of that in that line of fire. But yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> right. I'm a nice guy though. I'm yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. No, I had to, I had to say that to you watching uh, the films that we did watch and and stuff. I go, this guy's got to be like the coolest dude to hang out because you know his character is such a you know very eccentric like you know tell it as it is but rough and just like no bullshit just just yeah. cut and dry and he's just an <laughs> asshole and yeah, yeah I well play, i play assholes let's just yeah. say it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, exactly it, in a way it's like well yeah you know get the point across just do it just fucking around let's do it let's, yeah. <laughs> you know in, in in very colorful ways yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I, I think that was another thing that I was going to say, too, is that we have found from uh, we've we've talked to a few people that play the, the bad guy or the villain or the mm-hmm. slasher or the killer. And usually they're like they're super nice guys in real life. And it's it's kind of like this fun experiment to step outside of their real life and, and be this yeah. crazy person. Yeah. I so. mean, I can definitely be an asshole on the streets in New York. <laughs> you know? Right. I'm not right. proud of that either. But you know, no, you no, got, it makes right. you tough. <laughs> yeah for sure but um have you have you always kind of thought that you do that kind of part the best like do you do you ever feel like you want to try to step outside of that and do something else or are you really just in a position where you, you just want to do kind of what works best I, or? I i like playing bad guys i like playing lead villains i, yes. I feel yeah. like you know I, i'm i'm super good at it and mm-hmm. um i agree you know, I, I don't really have an uh, an interest to stretch and be the nice guy or the dad or you know anything like. That. I mean, just like I I I kind of firmly believe that I I put myself on the path mm-hmm. to be this thing. <laughs> right. Not done yet. I won't. You know, I won't be done until I you know kick. Right. And, right. And and until then i'm i'm embracing this path you know i, I like it i like oh, it a lot and cool. i i want to see where it ends you know yeah 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 so uh let's let's talk a little bit about uh wrong cops which we had just both seen for the first time but <clears throat> you had done this one before you did low life so it makes more sense to talk about this one first right mm-hmm. uh now i had seen that you had worked with this director before, Quentin Dupieu. I said, am I pronouncing it right? Yes. Okay. Quentin Dupieu is a yeah. French, uh, a French filmmaker, and uh, he's also actually, I don't know, a lot of people know this, but probably not a lot don't. He's also a rock star DJ. Oh, really? He plays uh, stadium gigs all summer long. Oh shit! With the, with the likes of Major Lazer and Diplo and uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And Very cool. Crazy. Yeah, he his. Uh, his handle as a DJ is Monsieur Wazo. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we met. Um, he, he, I auditioned uh, for a day player part. Uh, he did a film called Rubber. So, yeah. so we we actually have that coming up as a movie Marco and I have never seen, and it's uh we're doing a bunch of movies for Halloween of, of mm-hmm. like just weird horror movies and stuff that we've never yeah. seen. So that's on our list for that's that. That's so on it. Yep. I'm even yep. more excited to see it now. So yeah. rubber, rubber basically stole the juice from the winners of the Cannes Film Festival in, I think, 2010. Okay. And everybody was talking about this weird movie by this French guy where a tire rolls around and kills people. Yes. Yeah. 
And um, I don't want to give it give too much away if you guys sure. are going to review it or whatever. But sure. so he stole the juice from the winners of th that year, and that got him the money to make this next film called Wrong, W R O N G, right? Starring Jack Plotnick and uh, uh, you know some other uh, Arden Marine and oh, I and, see uh, Bill Fickner is in it. Yeah, Fickner's in it. Nice. A lot of people from so, Wrong Cops. What's that? Oh, a lot of the same people from Wrong Cops, too, it Some looks like. Some of the people from Wrong Cops, yeah. So I auditioned for a day player role sure. on, on the film Wrong. Okay. And I don't know how much you guys know about this, but that process normally involves several meetings. Like, I would go to the casting director's office, I would put myself on tape. Uh, they would look at the tapes. They would call that down to a few uh, people that they want to see the most. Then mm -hmm. you would go to a callback, and that may or may not be with the director, and then they would decide who gets the job. Quinton saw my initial tape and hired me on the spot. <laughs> nice. Perfect. To the casting director, just said, that's the guy. Hire him. <laughs> nice. And then he went home, and he doubled the part to two days <laughs> uh, just because he liked the, the audition tape so much. Yeah. I guess. And so, yeah, so I shot two days on wrong and nice. then, uh, so wrong went to Sundance and because I was a small part, they didn't invite me to go to Sundance, but I just kind of like invited myself and went right. hung out with everybody. And, uh, yeah. So in a, in a hot tub at about 3 AM in Sundance, the year the wrong went to Sundance, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. they tell me it's one of the guys, one of Quentin's friends tells me, oh, we have this other little thing we want you to do. <laughs> and so I was like, cool. I'm thinking to myself, so I had two days on wrong. Sure. Maybe I'll get a week out of this. And that'll right. be And uh, so that film started out, the film that they're talking about, which ended up to be Wrong Cops, started mm -hmm. as a short film that we shot a weekend. Uh, in February that year, and it was me and Grace Zabriskie from some of you might know from Twin Peaks, and she's mm -hmm. a friend of mine for years. I've known her, and it was basically her and me and Marilyn Manson shooting mm -hmm. for the the weekend, a short film. Mm -hmm. uh, so Quentin Quickie edited that and submitted it to to Khan again, and that short got selected for the director's fortnight. Nice. Nice. And Which that's that's kind of what the intro part is is derived from that, right? The beginning of the movie. Correct. Yeah. Um, with David yeah, Dolores Frank. Where I meet Manson's character and I kidnap him and I take mm -hmm. him to the house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That all ends yes. up to be the start the the start of the film Wrong Cops. But yeah, I mean, how the, could they see that and not invite you guys? Uh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so because this is where it's important that Quentin, Quentin's uh, position as a DJ comes into play. Sure. Because at simultaneously, and I mean like to the minute, with the con director's Fortnite screening was an Apple iTunes free download of that film. That garnered 475,000 downloads in the subsequent 72 hours. Nice. Wow. That's cool. 
And so I guess because of that, we got then the money to shoot the rest of the film that following right. June. Nice. And that film became the film Wrong Cops. And yeah, and uh, yeah, basically, for those who don't know, I, I, Manson plays a teenager and I yeah. uh, happen upon him and I don't like the music that he's listening to. <laughs> right. So I, I basically duct tape his arms and shove him in the back of my cop car and uh, take him home to my house and play right. some music for him. Right. Because you got to fill it in the gut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and now I didn't realize that Quentin is also the DJ. And so all that music was his in the movie, right? The, Correct. The music that matches. Was, was the and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, cool. Manson, the Manson music that he's listening to that I can't stand is Quentin's music. Right. <laughs> as is the music that I play him as an example of good music when I get to my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then also uh, your your friend's music that you said was shit. I'm assuming from Officer Ruff, right? I'm yeah, assuming yeah. that right. was also his music too. Right, that's that's Quentin's music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone hated that song. Yeah. So yeah, now actually knowing that, like that makes that movie even more funny. Like I have to exactly. rewatch it. If you guys uh, pay attention to the first five minutes of Rubber, okay, because because that first five minutes of Rubber is Quentin Dupuis treatise on filmmaking films, cinematography, like okay. cinema in general for the last mm-hmm. 30 years. You know? I mean, Very cool. That, okay. So that first five minutes of rubber is, in, you know, is important because it, yeah. it's the through line to all of his, all of his work. And it's, his work is so absurd. Right. Mm-hmm. So bizarre. And yeah, I actually looked up some of his music after seeing the movie. Cause I always kind of try and pay attention to that for review purposes of like who did the music or the mm-hmm. score and stuff and uh i was listening to some of it on spotify and there's he has some pretty good stuff i like it but i didn't yeah. even realize that it was so big like i i'm sure i completely didn't notice and he probably has millions of fucking downloads on spotify or, or plays and i just didn't even notice yeah i mean i don't i don't hit that website too much but yeah i'm sure it's yeah, yeah. i mean but yeah. yeah that's awesome and so just there's so much absurdity in this movie i mean between marilyn manson who's like mine and marco's age and is probably late 30s early 40s and he's playing a teenager which you know the movie was only a few years ago plays it really good too yeah he he surprisingly (laughs) plays it well right and uh you know all, all the crazy side stories and officer ruff and his music and the the fucking neighbor that you shot that keeps getting carted around to different places while he's dying and Oh yeah. God! Um, yeah, but the the one thing I was wondering is, why is it that your character sells his weed packed inside of dead rats? Because the Chinese guy can get them for me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because when yeah. he when like I don't want to give it to. I mean, it's not that big a deal, but you know, later on in the movie, when he's yeah. out of rats because I've taken all the rats out of his his Chinese food place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he hands me fish, and I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> In fact, I carjacked a, a, a car with his dead fish. That's mm-hmm. you know, basically. Yeah. But that really it. pisses me off. Yeah. But it's basically because I have the hookup to the guy who can get the rats. Right. Sure. It's, yeah, because uh, walking around with a you know a, a dead rat doesn't bring up the suspicion of you're walking around with drugs. It's it raises other questions. <laughs> so it, it's it's ingenious. <laughs> 
Yeah. Plus, it's also another way to just be even more of an asshole, kind of, to people. <laughs> exactly, just throw them a dead rat, you know. Yeah, and, yeah you're selling them a dead rat. Yeah, that was that exactly. was like the selling point from from Ryan when we interviewed him was that intro scene when you give the kid the yeah. dead rat and he's like, "What the fuck am I yeah. supposed to do with this?" Yeah. Right? What do you mean, you fucking idiot? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so much absurdity. That movie had to have been a lot of fun to make just because of all the the weird comedy and crazy scenes and stuff in it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean it it was it was amazing. So a little, a little you know maybe not the best side note to give you. Like the first day, we're we're doing something on the valley. We were like, I think it was we were shooting one of Jennifer's scenes or the scene right before Jennifer Blank Bean shows mm-hmm. up. So Jennifer Blank Bean, who's Michael Bean's wife, right. she plays a neighbor to my cop friend Ruff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because she just wants to have sex with him all the time. Yeah, she just wants to yeah. uh, two time her regular her husband or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. and. So she just wants to have sex with Ruff all the time. So in this scene, in the lead up, I roll up in my cop car, which is the shittiest cop car ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm getting out. I'm walking up to his apartment. In the shooting of that, like, I almost took out the sound cart on the very first day of that shoot in June. It's like, nice. I, yeah, it's it was... Uh, it was a weird thing between my boots and the pedals of the cop car getting stuck and then uh-huh. the surprise of that happening all at once. And it was literally within like an inch of me just Oof. slamming into the sound car oh, just... on the first day. So, yeah, yeah. That, that would not be good. No. no. Well, and uh, uh, you're, not, you're not exactly a tiny guy either, so it's not like they can expect you to be a great stunt driver, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that's, you know, I, I am a good driver and uh, <laughs> I did all the driving in that, in that scene. And I've driven in other things, you know, okay. I've professionally driven like sure, stuff, yeah. music videos, Papa Roach and some other things, commercials yeah. and so forth. So, I mean, you know, I can do that job, but it's just like some weird thing between, you know, I, what happened is I put my foot on the brake and right. because of the placement of the brake pedal, my foot went to the gas as well. And so yeah, it was you caught both. both. Yep. And mm-hmm. once I was like freaking out because I didn't know how that would, could happen and what was happening. And the car was shit. <laughs> so maybe it was like a stuck throttle or something. Like I was freaking out. I don't know. And then actually yeah. I, you know, I didn't sure. to the sound card. So. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, hey, so almost is not, it's not doing it right. That's what you tell everybody when you walk out. That's yeah. Like, you almost hit me, but I didn't. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's right. That, it doesn't count. This, this will, this will right. become uh, relevant again when we talk about low life. Okay. okay. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, so how how tall are you actually? Because yeah, I can tell you're kind of a taller guy. In the uh, yeah. I'm 6'4". Okay. 6'4", okay. nice. 225-ish. Yeah. It depends on, you know, dietary and activity <laughs> levels, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, I, I also love just the whole cast of the movie. There's a lot of kind of recognizable yes. faces and some some pretty cool comedic actors in there. Um, yeah, yeah. I was uh, happy to see uh, John LaJoy, who's a, a favorite of mine, has kind of a small part in, in Wrong Cops there. Um, yeah, yeah. He was he was. 
<laughs> he was cool. I had no idea about his work and his music videos and all that stuff, but right. it was working with him definitely. I haven't seen him since really, but yeah. right, yeah, and, and then uh, there was what Eric from the Tim and Eric show, right, was also in it. Yep. What was the other Wareheim? cop? I forget his yep. last name. Wareheim. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Wareheim. Yep. Yeah, but just a lot of a lot of like funny character actors and just weird, crazy parts. I mean, his whole thing with with the the girls and their boobs and trying to make them show their tits and like. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Quentin was thinking, but yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. Like you know, funny, not funny. Kind yes, of. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, I think it's somewhat based on a true stories because I think there is cops that do that. Oh, I'm right. sure there are, especially out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh was there anything that you feel like in the movie that you kind of you put your own little personal touch on or or anything that was maybe an ad lib or uh um and and uh in the moment kind of thing that you you improvise something that that you would say put your little stamp on the because i know a lot of actors try and throw a little thing in to make something their own and in, in their performance i mean i think i feel like i did a pretty good john wayne uh, at one point in that in that film. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, and that's something that Quentin would never have known. He wouldn't have wanted me to put it in. In fact, he kind of told me to dial it back, but it's something <laughs> that I felt like was relevant. Okay. In a, in a character way, because the, the character in wrong cops, his name is Duke. And okay. I didn't, I didn't put that forth. Like that's Quentin. I don't know why he called him that, but that's what he mm-hmm. called him. Mm-hmm. And, then in the in talking to Manson, there was a phrase in my lines that would lend it to that. Okay. And so, you know, I I'm like myself as an actor, putting something like that into a role is, I mean, that's that's where my preparation comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, is yeah. like that kind of layering, and whether it's talked about or discussed or anybody recognizes it, like if nobody had ever said anything about it, and pretty much. Nobody has. Right. So, you know, I brought it up. Um, you know, it would it would be fine. But like, I feel good about that kind of layering in terms of character. Because, sure. Because it, sure. it makes me. I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just it, it. It's kind of a end result of my entire training as an actor and who trained me and all those different things. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And it. it uh... I kind of related to like me. I'm not an actor, but I, I do. I walk around and, and I do movie quotes to a lot of people, you know, just uh, as a general as a conversation or something that's funny to me. And so, and then when they get it, it's like magic. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You put your own li- like in a conversation, you put your own little spin on it where you yeah. do a movie quote and you're doing that John Wayne. Ed, you know, it just uh, you connect with for a second. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. me with uh... similar to. To, to something that we can talk again about low life, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool, interesting thing about low life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I find that that's a, a a fairly common thing that people will try to put a little something into it, or, or find an inspiration, or add like a little beat of of another character or something that they were inspired right. by. Right. Was was this movie a lot of uh, improv dialogue, or was a lot of it sort of scripted? Oh, it was pretty scripted. Okay. Uh, in fact, it wasn't a lot of freeform uh, ad lib in in wrong cops. You know, Quentin is very um, quick. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like 
the other thing about that, and this is this is go, you know kind of touching back to the to the technical aspects that I don't know a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Quentin deconstructed a five chip camera. Okay. Made a mount mm-hmm. to these weirdo Russian anamorphic lenses that he found somewhere, and used those to shoot wrong cops. <laughs> okay. So, and you can you can see what I'm talking about if you watch the film closely, or you can see it on a big enough screen. There's mm-hmm. like imperfections in the in the picture. Okay. You know? That comes from these 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 lenses were the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They're about maybe maximum an inch or an inch and a half wide, and in diameter maybe five to seven inches in diameter. Okay. So there are these things that look like saucers or sure. plates that are kind of thicker than a plate, but they're attached uh, to the front of this deconstructed five-chip camera, and that's what we shot. That whole rig was mounted on on what's called a hi-hat, which is just like a crappy piece of plywood and a little like six or eight-inch stand slash mount to bolt the camera to. So okay. it's really light, and it's really easy to move. So mm-hmm. we were doing, like, I think it wasn't unheard of for us to do 15 to 20 setups in a day on wrong cops. Nice. And that's, I don't know if you know about scheduling or whatever, but that's high. That's like yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, nice. And we were using natural light, and, and we were shooting outside a lot. And so, you know, it was very easy for Quentin to move around and get a lot of different setups. So I don't think, you know, I don't speak for him, obviously, but I don't sure. think that he wanted a lot of, uh, he wanted like that kind of distraction to worry about an actor or somebody like going off yeah, yeah. his his map for what he wanted to do. Sure. Uh, so it wasn't really, it wasn't really um, ad-libbed at all, really. Mm-hmm. Well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense because he would kind of take a chance that they would end up organically coming to the thing that you want to get out right. of that scene. Yeah. And not necessarily he, know that for sure that he would. Past, he, he, he doesn't want to take that chance. Like right. he, he just wants to no, get cool, it uh, to the next thing. I like the gorilla style though, of like always being mm-hmm. on the move and like shooting here and shooting there. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, I mean, how long did you go for? I had heard about that before mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be a problem based on my style because you know, at that time, I was I had a a process that wasn't necessarily that fluid, right? Or or flexible. Okay. Uh, but I I I felt super comfortable, and you know, I've now changed my process to be something more like that, and it's mm-hmm. a good thing. You know. Cool, cool, high energy, yeah. Yeah. How long did you guys shoot for for that one? I think we shot twenty days on wrong cops. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a decent amount of time for, mm-hmm. and we, especially if you're shooting that much per day sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We were shooting a lot of different setups a day, but we never worked beyond 12 hours, you know? Mm. Nice. So we would start early, like 7, and I'd be home most days by 7, 7.30. Sure, sure. Um, so I guess one last thing I'll ask about this, and then we can move on to talk about low life too. Yep. Uh, was there anything that you did or, or any particular like scenes you guys shot that didn't make it into the movie that you were like, Oh man, I really liked that, you know, whatever I did or something that was in it that, yeah. that didn't make the something that hit the floor basically. So 
that's an interesting interesting question because I told you that Ron Cop started out as a short film. Well, right. that short film was day one of a seven-day chapter story, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. And when Quentin sent me the script, that's how it was written in seven different chapters. And so obviously that doesn't mean really anything while we were shooting. Right. But then Wrong Cops went to Sundance the following year from Wrong in a new category. I forget what they called it. I, I don't want to say. I, I, I can't remember what they called it. But okay. it was like a new media section. Mm, and okay. they played Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And people loved it, but Quentin hated it. Mm -hmm. he, didn't, oh. he didn't like the the convention of title cards of in front of every chapter. He felt like it was it was bogging the story down. Gotcha. And, sure. And, and so he went home from Sundance and re-edited the whole thing into uh, what would become his normal non-linear story. Okay. So then all the chapters went out the window. Okay. Right. Um, and so did the timeline of the chapters. So things that happened on Sunday or Tuesday may have been switched around and not really relevant anymore to mm -hmm. what I mean. So I don't think things hit the floor. You know, I'm it was just kind of rearranged and yeah. like a whole yeah. different. Yeah, I got you. I'm, I think one of the things that I didn't say a few minutes ago when we were talking about wrong is like basically Quentin wrote wrong cops for me and Manson, I think, because Manson had reached out to him and said, hey, I love rubber. Let's work together and let's figure out what we can do and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And that ended up to be wrong cops. But in the editing room, I don't know what it was, but Quentin just like dug everything I was doing and liked my two scenes and liked how easily we we got along on mm -hmm. the set I guess, and and so forth and like that that process I feel and I'm relatively confident because mm -hmm. it's happened with other directors you know I, I I'm a two-for-one actor like you get two performances from me when you hire me like right, right. You the day of and the shooting and then when you get into the editing room, you're going to see a second performance okay. from me, a second facet of my yeah. performance that is going to, you know, be all the more um, ad advantageous to your script. Sure, sure. You know? Just because, I mean, I know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah. So I don't think things hit the floor, but they just got switched around and and uh, and re transmogrified into a different timeline sure yeah that makes sense it, it's it's sometimes it's weird where you you have all the info is there and you just want to find a way to repurpose it like that i guess so yeah well he's uh i mean quentin has a weird timeline to begin with i mean that's definitely yeah, right. the case in rubber certainly the case in wrong and in wrong cops and in the film after wrong cops which is called reality yeah i mean it, it's all his non-linear sure, sure. storytelling right. technique yeah. Well, that's cool. It sounds like it was uh, a fun movie to make and like you generally had a pretty good experience with making that Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I met friends that I'll have for the rest of my life, you know. Very cool. Excellent. Yeah. Uh so 
And then the movie that we saw you from was Low Life, which was, what, a couple years after you had done that? Like yeah. maybe three years? <clears throat> yeah. And I know when we talked to Ryan, he said that you had auditioned and he was immediately like, oh, shit, you're the guy from fucking Wrong Cop. So <laughs> he was yeah. stoked right on right away on having you show up. So how did you end up connecting with that movie? Uh, so I submitted just on an actor's access okay. uh, breakdown because, you know, I watch the breakdowns for stuff that I think I'm right for that maybe the people who have agreed to represent me wouldn't be on their radar. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Right. And, uh, yeah. So I submit on stuff like that all the time. Uh, and it just, I just submitted, uh, actors access for, for, and they called me in. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know how they called me in. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know if Ryan was doing the picking or if some producer was picking or what, and it was just luck. But yeah, when I walked in, he was like, "Oh my God, you're the guy from Ron <laughs> Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, excellent. And uh, so that obviously that kind of worked out in your favor, I guess, that he he knew you from that other role and and felt like you worked for this part, which yeah, I thought I thought it was I thought it was kind of interesting that that he was the only guy, you mm -hmm. know, that that he was the he was the only guy that that was aware of my work and all that stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So we met a few more times with a few auditions and so forth. And, and then we met and we, you know, talked about actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we reached an agreement and, uh, you know, then we started shooting and it was cool. Sure. Sure. Now, um, I hadn't seen all of your movies, but had you ever been presented with anything where you had to be, quite to this level of a despicable character before or was this probably the worst one that you've I had mean, to play I mean, this is definitely the worst of what was you know what what would be on film sure sure what right. i mean by that is like you know your your statement or your question kind of like it and i and and please don't get me wrong i'm, I'm i don't fault you for it but it implies a judgment so like i, I got gotcha. you i from the to having to do whatever it is somebody hires me to do, mm -hmm. I can't judge it. I can't. I can't put a value uh, judgment on it and say, "Oh, that's bad. That person is horrible," or, you know, okay. like there's nothing. There's nothing as an actor that can be gained from acting that. Like right. acting. Uh, oh, I'm a bad person, or I'm. Uh, you know. You know. So and the guys that I get hired to play, they don't, they don't, you know, they aren't going to second guess themselves really generally. Sure. sure. Um, so yeah, I, I I was happy to embrace the 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 despicableness, as you say. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I I think uh, more than that, like I cherish that kind of stuff. I you know, mm -hmm. I it's one of the screenings. I think it was at um, Fantasia. You know, somebody asked a similar question and, and, you know, my response is basically like, I relish the opportunity and I cherish that opportunity to play these people as badly as, as horrible people as I can. Sure. Because these people in like Roncos and this and Hidden in the Woods, these people exist. Mm -hmm. yes. you know, they are reprehensible motherfuckers mm -hmm. in the world who don't maybe get 
you know, outed as right. it were. And right. so I, I, I take a, take it as a point of pride that, you know, I play those kind of people as despicable, as reprehensible as I can in any and all aspects and ways um, to, to kind of point out the fact that, you know, sure. Sure. So yeah. I don't know. It's my statement. No, it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, and I guess, you know, the stuff that, that uh, Teddy Bear Hayes is a part of in this movie is a bit of a departure from, you know, say Officer Duke, where he's just kind of an asshole. And maybe he right. might kill a person here and there just because, you know, he they, doesn't like the music they listen to or whatever. But, <laughs> but right. I mean, I think at one point we've all kind of wanted to kill someone for listening to the wrong kind of music, right? So. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, Teddy Teddy is definitely, you know, whatever you want to say. He's a predator. He's yes. a, a probably he's a pedophile and a and a child trafficker and um doesn't really care who knows it. Yes. Right. Right. And I think that's what makes him so despicable is that, you know not trying to hide it. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he embraces like that world, you know. He almost uh, sort of like flourishes in being a piece of shit, which, you know, you can tell by the car and the the jewelry and the fucking loud shirts and the loud music. Right, and, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be kind of an asshole just to wear that shirt in the first place, right? <laughs> I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> did you get to keep that shirt after or did you have to? Well, no, somebody has it somewhere in some storage locker in L.A. <laughs> be kind of a uh, fun one to break out every once in a while. I, they might have given me the shades or something, I think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, yeah, we we really loved this one, too, and, and mm. we had talked with Ryan after... I don't know, it was kind of a weird circumstance where I found the movie from Instagram, the, the social media page, like, added me as a friend or something, and I was like, oh, this looks kind of weird, so... I ended up checking it out and being like, yeah, totally blown away, not expecting to just randomly find something on Instagram of all places. Uh, so it was a, a really pleasant surprise. And I had heard of other people then after that had saw it at certain festivals and stuff. So, yeah. uh, so, but no, I think, you know, this, this movie is really, there's something special about the way that everything comes together and where it's like, it's powerful, but it's funny, but it's entertaining, but it's right. Yeah. It's like it's you know artistic it's it's like so many yeah, things yeah 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 um, you know like <coughs> excuse me okay. um, so the way and, and there's a point to this so so mm-hmm. please indulge me in my tracking sure. no no problem <laughs> so the reason I had the audition for wrong cops mm-hmm. was that I wasn't getting my normal level of callbacks so I decided maybe I should take a class. So I took I, I took a class from a casting director, which you can do as an actor, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get it together to get that class to to be in that class mm-hmm. until the time that I was in. You know, in other words, I tried to be in the class like two classes prior to that and couldn't get it together mm-hmm. to make it. So I got it together to be in the class, and in that class. The casting director put out the breakdown on actor on actors access that I saw and I recognized her name and I recognized the part that I would be right for. So I submitted and boom, Quentin sees me, hires me on the spot, doubles the role, ends up to write me a whole nother feature film yes. at my age. So 
that kind of happenstance occurred in low life as well because Ryan saw, had seen wrong cops. Right. Ryan, we haven't, I don't know, talked about it in this conversation, but I'm sure you talked about it in, when you interviewed him. Ryan is a student Academy Award winner oh, for okay. called Narco Corrido, which kicks ass. Yes, yeah, yeah. He did, he did mention that, yes. Short, yeah. yeah. And the the happenstance on Lowlight is that he had seen Lowlight, he had seen Wrong Cops, rather, right. recognized me, wanted to work with me, wanted me in his film as the bad guy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, like, it's a leap of faith on everybody's part because he's like, I don't know if I can convince my producing partners to work with this guy because they don't right. know him. And he doesn't look like a normal actor, and he looks like a douchebag and an asshole, and maybe <laughs> don't work with him, which is, you know, I understand completely. <laughs> sure. And it was a leap of faith on my part, because I don't know who this guy is. Right. Sure, of course. Yes. The first yeah. time director, yeah. Where I said to some people, look, you know, I don't mean to be a dick, but I don't need your film on my resume. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I have mm-hmm. full resume. Right. So for me to want to do this... You know, there's a, there's, you know, I have benchmarks. Like, do I want to work with the people? Is the material up to par? Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. And all that came together and it ended up to be this thing called low life that mm-hmm. Tarantino said is a stroke of genius. Nice. Right. Yep. Yep. And like at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like that yeah. kind of happenstance keeps happening in my career sure. and and I'm, um, it kind of tracks back to my training where I told myself before any of this ever happened back in the 90s when I was just freshly out of school, I was like, if I just do everything I can on my side that I can control and I do the best, highest quality work that I know how to give, mm-hmm. other stuff will fall in line. Absolutely. And Tarantino calling Ryan... Ryan's film, A Stroke of Genius, right. is that kind of thing. It's like yeah. validation for what I was telling myself in the 90s. And I don't take credit for that statement from Tarantino. I'm just saying, like, I'm happy to be part of the thing that right. caused him to oh, say yeah, that. Yeah. Right, yeah. You're well, absolutely a part of it, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and like we had kind of mentioned before, but you know, you're really the central character of this story because all the different pieces all connect back to you, so... That was really the way that Ryan had described it to us as well, was that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the through line is all through Teddy Bear. It's all back to the fucking fish taco shack with right. the with the torture right. and rape dungeon in the basement. So Yeah, and if that guy <laughs> isn't a reprehensible piece of shit viscerally, <laughs> that, that people end up at least understanding. They mm-hmm. maybe not right. like him. They maybe not cheer for him, although they cheered for us at Fantasia when I died, and that's good. But <laughs> but maybe they don't like him, but maybe they 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 can understand his particular kind of charisma. Right. Mm-hmm. Then the mm-hmm. whole thing doesn't fucking work. Sure. The movie doesn't work mm-hmm. unless that that character is that reprehensible and still charismatic and engaging and and um, attractive in a certain kind of way, mm-hmm. then the movie doesn't work. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Cause I, you, you keep going like, Oh God, you, you hate this guy and you can't wait till something bad happens, but you love every time that he's in the scene or. Yeah. At the same sh- time, when you were 
do a rewatch. Shows up, like, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. I just I just couldn't wait until you showed up at the hotel when they're all <laughs> Exactly. They're all there and everyone's calling for you and you finally show up. <laughs> right. And they're all in the one room so, and I'm like, "Yes, finally Teddy's here. He's going to fucking yeah. set these people straight." <laughs> yep. So, yes. So now is a perfect segue to track back to the smashing of the sound card on Wrong Cops. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, those guys Ryan and Tim and these guys, you know, like I think it was early, maybe even the first day of shooting again. They're like, <laughs> we want to get you driving. I'm like, okay, let's go get in the car. And they're like, no, we don't want to get in the car. We're going to, we're going to make a rig and strap the rig and the camera to the car and you just drive around the block. Okay. And I'm like thinking sound cart, sound cart, sound cart again. Right. Right. Cause I don't want to fuck up these guys camera on the first day. <laughs> Right? absolutely so they i'm like you know whatever i went off to the side for a few minutes they put the rig together and the camera and the car and all that stuff and they put it on the car they call me to the set and i'm like all right and it looked kind of rinky dink you know it had it had cable ties on it and like mm-hmm. not cable ties but like you know i don't know tie downs on yeah, it yeah tie downs sure. right yeah and it was sitting on the on the the boot cover of this miata you know, just with these straps holding it on. I'm like, right. okay, somebody has has checked this camera to be secure, correct? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't yeah, worry. right. Yeah. So, as I said, I've, I've driven professionally, so I pushed the envelope in this Miata a little bit, going around the, the block. Now, around the block in this particular part of L.A., which is like just, it's just off of Coanga Boulevard mm-hmm. in the valley right basically across from universal studios in this shitty area unless unless you drive up into the hills then you're in million dollar homes but like right on ventura boulevard across from you know across from universal studios is like strip malls and liquor stores and sound studios that nobody's been in since fucking i don't know um so the block is long and it's 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 not like a square block it's like oval shaped and so forth mm-hmm. so it took me about i don't know at least 10 minutes to get around this block and so i'm pushing the envelope because we were shooting at a time when there wasn't a lot of traffic uh, but there was some traffic <laughs> and it's yeah. on these like you know i don't it's hard to describe they're like not alleyways but they're off the beaten track streets so they're shitty like la streets are shitty and they're you know, full of potholes and patches mm-hmm. that are not the same height and so forth. So when I get back to the to the set, they're like, "Oh my god, we gotta we gotta look at it because it survived, right?" So they're like thinking, "Oh, wonderful! He didn't kill the camel." Right. And <laughs> they look at it and they just start laughing uproariously because the rig and I grabbed the rig when I said somebody secured this, right? <laughs> You know, I grabbed it and shook it and it didn't move. But on the streets and in the car, and I don't know if it was the trunk of the car, like flexing or whatever, right. but the camera is bouncing like six inches. Boom. boom. <laughs> and that's what they were laughing at. So uh, I know that's the long way to go for not a big payoff. But no, it's, good. it's a super funny, yeah. super funny scene in the film. And uh, those guys were, were like, they, I think they went home and they cut that that trip around the block to Ave Maria, like right then and there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's good. 
I like that you could you could tell that definitely the camera is not very sturdy in the parts that they even did show. So right, right. Well, at least you didn't destroy their camera, and oh. they were able to film the rest of the movie. So my my boots didn't get stuck in the pedals of the Miata and crash into some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so how was, you know, the, the making of this movie was, um, it a little bit more of a challenge or, or easier to shoot this one or like, cause there's kind of a lot of moving parts and different sort of setups that you have to do, but you know, everything all has to be in the same day. So you have to kind of keep resetting back to that same day. Look every time. Yeah. I mean, I kind of left that up to other people. What, what, was attractive to me about the shoot is like there was a little bit more involved of special effects makeup and yes and mm-hmm. and plates being shot and so forth mm-hmm. um yeah i i don't know if i need to explain that or what but a plate is like a, a base image that okay. then becomes uh artistically manipulated by non-camera ways in other words like it's not cgi but it's it's other other ways that they devolve an image into something more abstract. It's hard to describe, but sure, it's sure. A, a plate is like a, a base shot. So right. there was a lot of special effects shots in this in this uh, in this film that I that I enjoyed enjoyed yeah. making. There was a lot of special effects makeup and dummies and and you mm-hmm. know right. mold being taken of people and so forth. And, and I, I really. I really, um, that's, that's the kind of filmmaking stuff that I love is stuff that is not just walking and talking, but like involves more people and, and more X, more, more layers of expertise that, you know, I have no idea about. Sure. Yeah. It's a very tactile movie. There's a lot of, like you said, the, the practical effects and everything. And just in addition to that, all the, the gunplay stuff and weapon play stuff and, Mm -hmm. You know, you yeah. gotta get into transitioning of when the weapons are are fake yeah. and how you're making them actually work. And that was cool too. Yeah. The weapon, definitely. Did you? Um, was that a real machine gun that you were shooting? It was. Nice. Nice. How did they? Obviously, you weren't like shooting at the the thing, but it was just like a, a cleared area, and you were shooting blanks. No, no, I'm pointed at the door. Yeah, they're blanks, obviously. Right. They're definitely blanks. But even, you know, as the world knows by that TV star in the 80s, you know, even a blank can hurt somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. You know, it has it has wadding in it and paper and stuff. And so, yeah, and as, you know, you can see on, on if somebody searches my Instagram account, you can see, you know, there's flame coming out of it and stuff. Right, but, yeah. right. You know, it, was a, it was a real thing. I, and it was definitely... I always... Uh, we had a weapon. I always, and yeah, I always think like um, scenes like that, especially when in the parts that I know where it's been filmed, like in L.A. and you can like, or or just, uh, you know, a cityscape or whatever, you know, I'm thinking like if if they don't have the streets blocked up and someone's just driving by and just seeing you just blasting this this uh, machine gun, like what in the hell is going on? You know, like I wonder if anybody just like in the opening shot of the the scene where where the cop comes and he gets the people out uh the illegal uh immigrants out right and um arrest them he said i think um ryan did say something that it was kind of a sketchy place to be anyway and if like people were walking by and and it didn't notice cameras and stuff that uh, it always kind of interests me what people in the public actually do see on some movie sets you know like well shit something went down yeah yeah yeah, definitely. And that section of, of, of Coanga, 
is like dark as dark as dark as dark can be. Like there's yeah. not a lot of street lights. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, whatever whatever tranny motel we were at was uh, <laughs> right. that's insensitive of me. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's so true. It's true. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of light at that hotel or whatever, but in that you know, along that section of of, of Cahuenga, there's like darkness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. See some cop busting in the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, if someone's just walk, walking by and sees that, you're like, uh, yeah, just keep walking. Normal oh, yeah, day yeah. in L.A., actually. But uh, Well, there's a lot of those, like the the scene when they when they take the girl from in front of the house. Um, I can't remember oh, right, the, yeah. I can't remember the girl's yeah. name now off the top of my head. But when they grab her in front of the house, yeah, yeah. You, yeah you, could, you could see in the background there's just cars driving by and shit. Yeah. And they were like, oh, my God, did that guy just run up with a stocking on his head and punch <laughs> that girl in the face? What the fuck? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That would be pretty funny to see, actually. Yeah. L.A. is getting like, oh, that was in a movie. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this one seems like it was a lot more f- fun, at least in that regard, that it's it's not quite as funny as something like Ron Cox's, is, but there's a lot of ridiculous in this movie as well. Um, yeah, but there was definitely levels of seriousness, too. And I think oh, that sure. was yeah, sure. definitely attractive to me. Yeah. To, to be able to, to bring the gravitas to it. For know? sure. Mm-hmm. I oh, I, absolutely! I think we even mentioned that to Ryan too. It's like uh, um, this. There was a roller coaster of emotions from from everything. You know, I had action, of course, and then again, it, it was pretty emotional. You know, there was that yes. just stuff like you appreciate in these movies. Like when I describe, hey, watch this movie. Um, trust me, you're gonna like it. And for these obvious reasons, it's it's you know got amazing character uh, development there. Like. Uh, you know, it's funny how you know Quentin Tarantino saw in this film was probably was something he saw in himself in this because of those very eccentric characters that he makes. That mm. this that low life actually absolutely made those films, and um, I think I even in my head when I was watching Low Life for the first time, I'm sitting there going, "Man, this is like something Quentin Tarantino would have done." You know, um, yeah. and it's because it's that broad of uh, of of those characters and over the top characters and unbelievable and. You know, throwing in every aspect. It's not just like violence for the sake of violence. It's it's got everything. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Ryan is a Ryan is a is a, a rising star. You know, definitely. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, he can. I, I definitely want to be. You know, watching his career and seeing mm-hmm. what happens. You know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I'm sure. You know, that he seemed to be very uh, very praising of you and and. Yeah, you know, yeah, we never know that he might have something again where he wants to use you again, like other yeah. people have used you multiple times. So, like you said, just doing a good job and and being mm-hmm. easy to work with and stuff really does rub off on people. So, yeah. I could see you guys working together again in the future. I mean, that, that would be great anytime. You know, anytime. Cool. I think it's kind of interesting little side note here. My like my first TV job, mm-hmm. like I was just trying not to get fired. And I'm just right. like right. any second that was going to happen. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what happened is, the director who I didn't know, you know, and mm-hmm. things move fast, and it's 25 different people, and, mm-hmm. and they all seem like they're producers, and they could fire you at any second. At least that was my impression. Right. So I'm kind of like just trying to take it all in. So the director sits me down and he tells me what he wants from me in the scene, and. He's like, you got it? And I'm like, I got it. I got it. No problem. <laughs> he walks away. Two of the stars of that TV show turned to me one right after another 
and coached me, which is like <laughs> a no-no, right? They're right. Because they, because I'm the new guy, and they're just busting my balls or whatever, like like in the under the guise of trying to help. But they both coach me exactly opposite to both each other <laughs> and the director who just walked away. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I'm already apprehensive trying not to get fired. But what that taught me is that you 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 got to make yourself happy and do whatever the fuck you want to do mm-hmm. that you know is right for the character. Sure. And I believe that that these directors, Quentin and and uh, Ryan and and some other people, whoever else might be on that list in the future, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the fact that I do that and deliver the character in a in a in a fun way mm-hmm. and deliver their, the gravitas. I, I think that's what they, they recognize in me, you know, and yeah. that's why, that's why, you know, I, I consider all of these guys friends and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be friends for the next 20 years. You know? Nice. Yeah. Right. And, and honestly, as a viewer, that's what we recognize out of you too. Mm-hmm. That, you know, just that, like when we're, when, even when, uh, we were discussing low life and, uh, uh, we we're talking about the characters, right? Like all these different characters and how, uh, I think, uh, Paul and myself told Ryan's like, uh, we think teddy bears our favorite character. Like to me, he's the, he's the one out of all of those characters, swastika face, everything. I like, I really liked <laughs> teddy bear. You know, I really like his bear. character through the whole thing, you know, and it just shows like, it, you know, the pat Okay. So like what Paul was mentioning, you know, we're pretty new to your career, um, you know, doing this podcast and stuff. So we're, we're discovering you, you know, which is fun also. And, um, what I'm getting, it's like, you know, I, I sometimes feel like I'm not watching a movie. I'm really not watching. I'm just watching like a fun time, you know, a fun performance. And when you don't, when you, uh, when you get your viewer to sit there and go, man, there's, there's not a camera there. They're, They're just like living, like living a life or living this character. I think that's what works a lot, you know. To me, to me, it's like a, and I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to belabor this or whatever. But to me, it's it's a it's a tribute and a and a a result of the training, because after I got out of school, mm-hmm. I managed uh, a live theater in Los Angeles, a, a pretty high profile live theater that was that was uh, run or owned by mm-hmm. a bunch of movie stars, a bunch of A list uh, people. Mm-hmm. And okay. we 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 did a workshop called the Met Theater Workshop, and a bunch of these board members of that theater would come in and they would comment on the work, and we would do scene work, and a bunch of people in the workshop, just as like my fellow students are people that you would recognize, A list Oscar winners. Mm-hmm. Um, the moderators, the people, the board members who would come in, some of them were A-list, uh, Oscar winners, Emmy winners, Pulitzer right. Prize winning playwrights. And like to me, it's, it's like this whole thing that we're talking about for the last few minutes is, a, is definitely a product of that training because those, mm-hmm. pe- those people instilled in me the attributes that I bring to my process now. And, and you know, yet again, I think that's what... Yeah the directors recognize as we we speak the same language we you know they they relatively quickly into the process they realize that i can deliver what mm. they're, what they're seeking in any given shot and and you know yeah. they end up yeah. to be 20 days later or however many days later you know we got a film and we're we're like friends for life so it, it's, nice. a, it's a wonderful yeah. thing that I, you very know, cool I really, definitely I really thank you 
Yeah, yeah. Um, who would you say besides yourself uh, would be your favorite character from Low Life? I told Johnny. I, I told, as you say, <laughs> yeah, yes, right, Randy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a star-making role. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, and I think he brought it. He definitely brought it. You know, like I, I was just looking at the Matt, um, IFC Midnight. You know, just tweeted a little section of of him and Santana yesterday, and I was laughing my ass off today watching. <laughs> yeah. He just he, he's. I don't know, you know, just like he, he, yet again, that kind of like kismet or whatever is he got that role at a time in his life and a time in his career when it just, it's, 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 it's great for him. And yeah. I think he does it perfectly. Yes. yes. You don't know my struggle. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's great on such a Nazi ish level as well. <laughs> that's yeah. what i'm saying it just oh man yeah it's such a uh, bizarre and and well yeah. well written but like perfectly performed character it's for sure. like well yeah it's like when we heard like okay do you have the you know the cover we saw the cover of the of the film and all that stuff first and like well how's that gonna work you know and and then you watch it you're like shit that worked really really well you know yeah, yeah. written well <laughs> acted well yeah they kept it secret for a lot of the process both in mm. both in the Shooting and the promo after we were done shooting. Yeah. Uh, and I think for good reason because, you know, it could be misconstrued sure. in a oh, lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, just just that, that, that line right there. And I don't know who wrote it, which of the five guys. Right. But I think, you know, at some, you know, uh, at the end of the day, regard, and I don't mean to take anything away from them, but regardless sure. of which of the five guys wrote it, it's right. Ryan there pointing the camera and shooting and telling the guy what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but just that 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 whole phrase, you don't know my struggle. Right. And, you know, the mind comp reference on an undertone thing is just like <laughs> right. fucking I think that's what Tarantino was talking about. That's the yes. kind of genius and subtle artistry mm-hmm. that those people in my workshop were trying to tune me into. Yeah. 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 And and you know I'm proud to be uh, proud to be part of it. Definitely. Nice, love it. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great movie. I've been telling everyone mm-hmm. that it's you know us as a horror podcast is a weird sort of horror adjacent movie with Low Life, where it's not right. really a horror movie, but right. there's enough in it that makes us huge fans of it. And I mean, we like other kinds of movies too, anyways. So yeah, uh, but I've been telling everyone that it's one of my favorite movies that has come out this year. Yes, and uh, it's just been cool to get to know more about it between you and between Ryan, and and just sort of following the uh, social media and stuff about the movie. And I think that uh, it it is it's a emotional movie for sure. I yeah. will admit I've seen it three times, and all three times the ending makes me cry. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. So. Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, I think I told that to Ryan. Yeah. I was yeah. Cr- in in uh, the IFC Center when we screened it there, you know, yes, yeah. it's, it's it's Ryan's stamp, you know. Yeah, I know. I, just, I, I just watched it. it the other day, and I'm like, why am I crying? I knew this was coming. <laughs> what is happening to me? <laughs> this <isn't> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think I, I put on wrong cops. It's just a, yeah. yes. Yeah. What's that? So I got to put now. I got to put wrong cops on now, so I can I can I get you know yeah, so you have a laugh. Them. <laughs> yeah. Right. We need David Dolores Frank back in here to lighten the mood up. David Dolores Frank. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh shit! I love when Wareheim when Wareheim kicks his ass, kicks him out of the police station. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that that was one that I I rented it to watch it, and I'm gonna definitely mm-hmm. try and buy a physical copy of this one so I can keep it and rewatch it anytime I want. So that's a that one's a keeper right there for sure. Thank and I have you, my man. my low life one. I got that that one actually just came out recently. The Blu-ray for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like within the past month, yep. so I actually got it, and it has the the reversible cover, and so I switched the cover to the one that includes Randy on it, because I right. find right. the one that has Randy not included, I find offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I understand, man. Yeah, but uh, no, this is cool. I I, I think yeah. you know it was nice to hear some of the stories that just kind of go on mm-hmm. and and how you got to these places and to sort of learn about your struggle as Randy would say. Yeah. Right. Uh, luckily right. your struggle didn't lead you to any, any poor choice tattoos on your face <laughs> no, or anything no. like that. But, uh, no, that isn't me. Yeah. So yeah. do you have any other stuff that, um, is coming up or that has recently come out that you, that you wanted to plug before we wrap this up? No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, I moved to, I made the move to New York. And uh, Mm -hmm. things have not been, you know, it's been a little more slow here for me. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm just looking for the next job. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm sure as the the buzz gets out a little more about low life, too, and and people talk more about that, it always helps, I'm sure. So definitely. That would be cool. Uh, Cool. So um, is there any anywhere people can keep up with you as far as social media or website or anything like that? I mean, I have Twitter accounts for for Duke from Wrong Cops. I have a Twitter account for Bulldog from Hidden in the Woods. Yeah, those, nice. are, those are less active now, but I have them. And then uh, I have an Instagram. Uh, I think it's all Take Two LA, basically. Is um, yes, it's a take. It's in the not my name. LA, yeah, it's right? not my name. It's a uh, it's a moniker that I use. Right. Um, yeah, called Take Two LA, T A K E, the number two LA, and that's on Twitter and Instagram, and then on Facebook, I'm Mark Burnham, you know, with the with looking like Teddy Haynes. Yes, yes, <laughs> love it. Just without the shirt. <laughs> no, the shirt. Is- <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that one you actually have the thing from there, with the long hair rocking and everything. Yeah, Teddy definitely yeah. has a unique style. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah, as far as, uh, for our podcast, if you are just finding this because you are looking for information about low life or wrong cops or whatever, um, please add us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google podcast, any of those places. And you can also find us on the raw live and unedited podcast network and the Legion podcast network. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening and we will see you guys next time. Good night.
no, so. you know, that's really like, I didn't want to say it this way. It was amazing to me that Quentin Depew, mm-hmm. who was not, you know, like he was a rising star director and so forth, like taking meetings at the studio and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but he didn't do that. He didn't want to be that person. So, but that he would write me a feature film at my age in Hollywood never fucking happens. Right. It doesn't happen. Yeah, sure. And yeah. For, him yeah. to do it, for him to do it out of a two-day day player role on yeah. a film, that's even, like, more amazing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, that's kind well, of what was touching on and alluding to when I said the kismet, just meeting these guys, when yes. I meet them... I mean, I like to think of it this way. I don't know. You'd have to talk to Quentin, and there's a big question as to whether he would be honest in his responses to get an answer. Sure, sure. But when we were shooting wrong, there was a point where I'm talking to Jack Plotnick, the main character, who's looking for his dog. Mm -hmm. And I'm playing the cop. I play the same cop in both movies, wrong and wrong cops. Okay. But in wrong, there's a point when I'm Jack is driving his car and I've blocked the road and he's like, I'm telling him to turn around and I I'm busting his balls a little. And I'm saying, let me go talk to this guy and see how long the road is going to be blocked. Mm -hmm. And so I turn and I walk and it's like good 40 yards. So Mm -hmm. I walk all of that on camera back to this tow truck guy who is not an actor. He's just a tow truck guy. He was hired to hire to bring the flatbed uh, to bring the car, the, the burning Hulk car, on the flatbed to the set that day. But they, but Quentin put him in the shot. And so I'm talking to him, and we do it several times, and Quentin comes up to me, and he's like, I want to watch you closer to the tow truck driver. So like he's saying like he wants to see if there's something there that he can put the camera there and, and catch. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's watching me, and what I've been saying to this tow truck driver who's like barely speaking english right you guys ever get any lexus like (laughs) you you ever see those like on the street or anything because i'll pay you cash if you bring me a lexus Uh (laughs) uh-huh i say to the tow truck driver he's just like nodding his head "Uh uh-huh yeah right (laughs) and then he's like no i don't think that's gonna work and he walks away and we move on and blah 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 but i think the whole wrong cops movie came from that little conversation when he was watching me talk to the tow truck guy. Because yeah, nothing yeah. in the dialogue that he wrote me, I mean, yes, the character was an asshole, but sure, he wasn't sure. bad. He wasn't like, you know, actively corrupt or anything. <laughs> 